Beloved people, blessed listeners, any minute now, the two most tremendous prophets of Yahweh will be live on air here on Jesus' Lord Radio. So be on standby now. Wasikilizaji wapendwa, dakika yoyote kutoka sasa, nabii mkuu zaidi wa Bwana, mashahidi wawili wa ufunuo moja watakuwa moja kwa moja hewani papa hapa kwenye kituo cha redio cha Yesu ni Bwana. Praise the Lord, mightiest prophet of the Lord. Amen. Now um blessed people uh this is a very powerful night again a very blessed night when the Lord has allowed me to come to you people that we may have uh, this very very important conversation in the history of the church we all know that right now the church is sitting on the verge of a major visitation on the verge of the rapture of the church when we do not know the hour we do not know the day and nobody knows about that hour and that day beloved people and uh these are the days when it really counts to work hard and to um to be able to prepare to prepare for that glorious day when the Messiah comes. And today I shared with you live on air what the Lord spoke just a few hours ago when I fell asleep. And uh, the Lord did lift me up above the earth and above the universe. Then I saw tremendous glory of the Lord, whitish glory with a bit of bluish makes the, the the colors that you see described or the precious metals described in the book of Revelation. The beryl, the emerald, the chrysolite, the topaz. I saw that tremendous coloring of the glory of God and most of it was whitish and the glory <coughs> excuse me, the glory was like the white clouds and the voice said the glory coming down. And I say that we do not know exactly what that means. That could be a visitation coming to take place here in December when we will have another meeting, when we will have another end, <clears throat> end of year, New Year, New Year's Eve. Excuse me. And uh, that could also be the meeting in another country many other countries, Peru, Netherlands, there are many nations that uh, we are still struggling too. I know that the mission to Ivory Coast has been cancelled by the Lord. He came and spoke with me himself, took me to the land and said they're not yet ready, so I know that uh, that time will come again. But uh, I would like to begin by first uh, touching a little bit on the message that uh, was aired here at lunch hour today. A tremendous, tremendous message on the kingly diet, on how the Hebrew boys rejected the diet of the king of Babylon. 
and that conversation speaks so much to the present day generation because this is the generation that has entangled herself and mixed herself with uh, the moral decay of this world and so she finds herself in a mix thereby needing to be sorted out and uh, in that conversation we also see that uh, the things that are not popular are then going to be those that belong to the Lord. And those that belong to the Lord are hence going to be quite unpopular to this world. And if a man sets up a church, a holy church, it's not going to be that much popular, but eventually with time and the help of the Holy Spirit, if you set a course, then you'll see what Kenya is seeing today. is just a tremendous historic visitation never seen in the Bible, in the history of the, of the entire Bible. And so in that accord, I would like to bless uh, the archbishops across the world, the Archbishop of Australia, the one of Italy, Sweden, together with Father Gloria, and uh, Pastor Susan Gears, Archbishop of Nigeria, sitting in Lagos, um, with many Mokotredi in uh, Botswana. There are so many Angola, because I work in the U.S., you know. Just, just take in there, just stay in there, because uh, this is the most treasured place to be. This is the most uh, treasured moment in the history of the church. It's a beautiful time in the church when the truth is being dispensed. And uh, I know that you have to make effort to bring more sheep into this way. But just know that the ways of the Lord are not going to be very popular now. Just like I said, the postmodernism of this world has blood, has blood the vision of the church to the extent that they are not able to see his glory. They are not able to see the treasures that belong to heaven. They are caught up in uh, edification of the world and its decay. And many, many other archbishops, I may not have mentioned you, uh, including Brazil. We are still waiting for the restoration of Mauricio, if he gets in touch. And uh, many other nations, uh, South Korea, Uganda. I may not mention you all, Ofori of Ghana. May not go through all your names, but this is a beautiful time in the history of the church and the pastors who are organizing the meeting in, in Lima, Peru. What a mighty, mighty time! Jose Campo of um, Spain and many pastors that have come on board, including those in Italy, from Palermo, and so forth. This is a beautiful time, beloved people of South Africa. You know, all across the nations. Uh, the pastor in Dubai, Anita, the pastor in uh, Oman, Qatar also. You know, there's quite a bit of people doing a lot of work across the globe now to sensitize people in this new way the Lord has opened up. So they may be given an equal opportunity to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And I know that uh, very soon... I'll be sitting down with the coordinating committee for the international missions to look at um, the mission to Singapore, the mission to Malaysia, the mission to Bolivia, the mission.
relation with Chile. I already got in touch with the person the Lord spoke about in the prophecy. You already spoke with me, Dr. Ricardo, Chile, uh, Finland, to Cuba, to Spain, Madrid, the mission to Belgium, Brussels, France, Paris. These are nations that are requested to be visited. Uh, France, Paris, and Marseille. And then South Africa, Australia again, we'll give it another try. And then Brazil once more. Maybe we can approach it again through Rio de Janeiro, Argentina, India, Portugal, and many other nations that are really in the list I've not mentioned here. But it's always a good time to give everyone an equal opportunity, beloved people. I bless those that are working in the vineyard of the Lord, pursuing righteousness, bringing people to the knowledge of righteousness. This is the place to be. This is the hour to prepare the church. Now, today I want to advance a very important conversation that we began last time. Last time I was talking to you. Today, the Lord, again, let me mention the following things before I begin. Um, I saw already in the night, yesternight, the meeting that would take place at Athi River, a big crusade. I saw the bishops there preaching to them and so forth, and one bishop after the other and worship in between. It was very powerful, and the Lord showed me with fire they were preaching. It was quite a big crusade in one of uh, the suburbs of Nairobi here. And at the same time, you saw the big celebration down there at E10 about uh, this wonderful lady who totally blind, total blind, the eyes were opened at Central Park, Nairobi. So, so these are the hallmarks and the signatures of the revival that the Lord has now unleashed across the earth. And so I urge many nations, I encourage you to get in touch, to make sure that you organize meetings, also seek counsel, and then we work with you to organize meetings that your nations too may be visited. But today I want to advance the conversation we began on the overcomers. And we realize that uh, in holding that conversation with you the other time, the Lord was essentially opening up the secrets of eternal life and the purpose and the overriding objective of this conversation is to be able to disengage, disengage the vision of the church, the eyes of the church from the horizontal, to be able to now reconnect the vision and the sight of the church into the things heavenly, the things eternal, the things, the kingdom of God, that now the Christian believer may make resolute decisions to pursue the glorious kingdom of God and the artifacts of the kingdom. And we saw that uh, in unveiling the secrets of the kingdom of God, of the eternity with God, of the everlasting life with Jehovah, there was so much that came through last time, which we are going to revisit, recap today. And today I know that I'm going to take slightly a different angle at the end of it. But I would like again to bring up a little genesis of this entire conversation to pull it back to you, to bring it within your proximity. 
so that we may be on the same page. So we find that uh, the Lord in his conversation with the church, he does exalt a certain people that he calls overcomers. They overcomers, those who overcome. And we see that this disposition of love that the Lord yields towards the people he terms and he calls overcomers based on his own benchmarks and standards, he's able to now call them overcomers, to classify them, to rank them in that way. We see that there is so much love that the Lord yields towards them. He's so fond of them, he loves them, he blesses them, and he gives them certain promises. And in the process of promising them certain things within the kingdom of God Almighty, then we are able to see the unveiling of certain secrets of eternal life, the secrets that will accrue while the church enters, when the church gets to enter into the glorious kingdom of Jehovah Yahweh. And we live in this world at the time when it's really very, very important that the church gets to hear the voice of God Almighty, Jehovah, and that the church gets to see a redirecting, a shift in paradigm, that she may get to see certain insights into the kingdom of God and the treasure they behold, so that she eventually will be able to now begin shifting her value system, changing her priorities, and especially the poor prioritizing that you see going on in the church right now, where the prioritizing is about the things of the world and the life here and now. But he's saying that he's so discussing the treasures and the artifacts that await those that overcome, the overcomers. God Almighty is able to engage with the church in a different way now, from the heavenly realm to now focus them, to tell them, look, there is big treasure in waiting here. So, therefore, the sooner you change your priorities and direction and course, the better. And in so doing, is able to touch and convict the hearts of the Christian believers and make them now inject quality into their Christian salvation by strictly and strictly focusing their Christianity onto heaven, the objective of heaven, entry into heaven and the kingdom of heaven. And that's why today it's yet another opportunity for me to, again, champion with you, to walk with you this journey on defining the overcomers and the conversation that the Lord brings about and around them, uh, so that we may open up a few things about eternal life. Overcomers. They overcomers. It will be important, as I said previously, the overcomers, that we define who exactly they are, that uh, you may be able to now set your eyes on the goal and make serious determination that you want to enter the kingdom of God and you really want to be this class of people, the people branded by the Lord as overcomers. And now, today, to begin us off, I know that the subject, the, the, the conversation, this is under the broad, uh, the broad subject of overcomers, but I know that eventually as we bear down on this 
as we get into the thick of it, then I'll be able to bring you the topic of the day. But allow me just do what I would call a sketch, a sketch abstract, just to bring us on the same plate and then be able now to pin down, to go into the underpinnings of this conversation. Now, the overcomers, I think I would begin right away from the book of Revelation to open up this conversation with the book of Revelation in our pursuit of understanding this phenomenon and this classification, the catalog that the Lord now uses to classify, and then he says overcomers. And if you overcome us, I will love you. I will promise you the following myriad of goodies, good things in the kingdom of God. But if you thought the earth had treasures, then wait a minute. Just wait and listen to what has been promised to the overcomers. And uh, the reason we began at eight is because we wanted to give everybody time to get back home. Those who have been lost, the traffic jams of this city that take three to four hours to clear. Now, uh, to begin our conversation on the overcomers and to do a little abstract and preamble on this, I would want to read from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, where he says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And he says, what an awesome way to begin it. He says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. So you begin to quickly understand that uh, the cascade, the processing, the process that leads to a person, the overcomer, leads to the Christian, the overcomer, somebody called the overcomer, is a process that, as we see in this conversation of, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So he's already right away exalting the mechanism, the mechanism, the processing, the process through which your ordinary Christian, your ordinary person, the non-believer or the believer, whosoever, everybody at all, can be able to get processed and then be overcomer, then overcome. He says the blood of the Lamb and the Word. But what are they overcoming? Last time I read with you the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. And I made a comparative with Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. And that essentially was the theme of our conversation in the last time I was here. And today, I know that I'll focus on the different reference scripture to bring out a little bit more of the treasures beholding in heaven for the overcomers. However, to begin you here, you see that there is something they have to overcome. The overcomers have to overcome something. And I want right away to start reading some scriptures here in a myriad of them, and then I'll explain to you exactly what they are overcoming. The book of Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 to 9, in beginning this conversation to advance it further. Hebrews 9, 1 to 9, I'll read as far as I get. Then he says the following. 
Hebrews chapter 9, 1 to 9. He said, Now the first covenant had regulation for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the golden jar of manna, Aaron's budded rod, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. But five, he says, above the earth, where the cherubim of glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now, meaning concealed by the hidden counsel of the Lord. And then he says, when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry out their daily ministry, not the other versions that say daily ministry, their ministry. Verse 7, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, meaning Yom Kippur, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Again, now you see, this is very strict here. This is where the church does just catch it sometimes. Because you see, these were sins committed in ignorance. They were not deliberate sins. These are not deliberate sins, beloved people. And then he says, verse 8, The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way to the most holy place had not yet been disclosed, as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. Verse 9, This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order, meaning the time when the Christ comes. That's why the next subtitle thereafter is the blood of Christ. So, so there, is, there is something to overcome here, beloved people. He says, these overcomers, we are going to try to dissect today to make a very precise uh, surgical precision into this entire narrative of the overcomers to see what do they go through, what is the cascade, how are they facilitated, and what is their identity, and who are they, because what they are promised also we are going to look at, a myriad of promises in the kingdom of God that really unveil the secrets of eternal life in heaven. So in Hebrews chapter 9, you see the arrangement, the architectural construct of worship that was set up in the old order, the old covenant, that things were set up in that way, and only the high priest then entered. You see that now? Why was that the case? So that we may be able in the process to understand what the overcomer overcomes to be able to accept eternity. If I advance this to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 to 2, beloved people, Isaiah 59, particular 1 y 2 in Spanish, Isaiah 
chapter 59, beloved people, verses 1 to 2. Again, Isaiah 59, versículo 1 al 2. 1 y 2. So that is Isaiah 59, verses 1 to 2. And he says the following, beloved people. He says, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. He said, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Then he says, verse 2, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face away from you, so that he will not fear. That is very powerful in understanding this entire paradigm we're setting up here on the overcomer. Because you see, in the beginning, the worship order has been set up because of the fall in the garden. And we say it very clearly in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, there was a precaution. There was a caution that the Lord laid down at creation when he gave the blueprint of the church. He said, do not touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day thou touchest, thou shalt surely for sure die. So the fall, when man now disobeyed and did, was not able to overcome the whims and the lies of the devil who was within the neighborhood, as that instruction was being given, the Lord, knowing that the devil would come, because he was held down here, he would come and try to interfere with the heavenly heritage of the church, of mankind, the inheritance, the heavenly inheritance of Adam and Eve, and by extension, all humanity. So the Lord knew that he would come. And he was aware that now the framework had been set for mankind to access the tree of life. But you see now, after that fall, then the sinful nature of man, the sinful nature of the flesh, now a barrier, a barrier, an impediment that did not allow man to accept the glory of God, the presence of his creator. Mumbawake, in other words, in Swahili. Dambi ilifanya bin Adam sasa akose hiyo wezo ya kuenda mbele za munguwake mumbawake. That's what I'm saying, briefly, for those who are Swahili listening. And so this impediment, this obstacle, is then now the big elephant that you see the overcomer has to overcome in order to be able to access the blessedness that is so promised in eternity blessedness that we are going to look at today and in so looking at them again we say it will be able to unveil the secret of the eternal life in heaven and so you see now in that arrangement the sin of man in Isaiah 59 1 and 2 is what is now impeding his access his communion and fellowship with his creator with Jehovah his God so the sin is the blockade and when you look at the book of Exodus 30, which is still the same thing, essentially, verse 10, it talks about the same thing. Exodus 30, verse 10. Exodus, and I, I request those who are trying to send me text, please, can you receive from sending me text, even the prayer request once they have come, this is well, so that I don't get a flash on the phone. So, um... You, you, you just send them from those fair lines, and then that is well. All the lines are covered by the Lord. It is well.
well now. Exodus 30, verse 10. This is what he says, beloved people. He says, Exodus, Exodus 30, verse 10, he says, Once a year Aaron shall make atonement, again, once a year Aaron shall make atonement on his horn, this annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin, the, the, with, with, again, with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy unto the Lord. Again, that is the same thing we've described in Hebrews. So that now there was that blockade, that impediment that did not allow. And if you went to the book of Leviticus 16, it really opens it out and it lays out all the greater detail of the sin, the atonement for sin, the sin sacrifice, the sin offering. So we now see that there is an impediment that has to be overcome. The devil has set in place a process that is meant to deny man his heavenly heritage. And then Christ the Messiah now comes to the church. When Christ comes to the church, it's a beautiful scenario because you see in the book of John, John chapter 1 verse 29, it says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of man. Let me just go back there again. John chapter 1, John 1 verse 29, it comes out very powerfully to describe the processing, the process that leads to the building up of this overcomer, the cascade, what you need to go through as a believer in order to be an overcomer. He says, John chapter 1, verse 29, he says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So that is very powerful. That is one of the most powerful statements in the Bible because then now you understand that they overcame by the power of the blood, the blood of the Lamb, and the testimony that the blood of the Lamb already bore unto them, yielded into their lives, you know. So it was so powerful that now in defining the overcomers, you see the Genesis, you see when the Lamb comes, the Lamb comes to take away the sin of the world. And this land is the one whose blood, by whose blood now, the processing of the overcomer takes place. And that's why I want to go stepwise, beloved people, before I elaborate the entire thing on defining the overcomer. What do they do? How do they look like on the earth here? And why is the Lord so beloved? He endears them so much. So the book of First John, beloved people, First John, Chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, in advancing our conversation. Again, trying to define the overcomers. Who are they? And today, this is not the topic of this discussion, beloved people. I said when I get into the thick of it, then I'll be able to bring you the topic of today's discussion. This I'm just using to build up a conversation, to develop a momentum that we may be able now to move together and discuss certain key issues within Christian philosophy.
need to focus into eternity and righteousness and the holiness eternity beholds. So the book of 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5 is very pertinent at this hour. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5, he says the following. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now you see the way he's beginning now to to place the church at a, at a position where he wants to challenge the present church. He says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. You could stop there and have a whole conversation with the church, a nine-hour non-stop conversation. Because he says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. In fact, if, you, if I were a pastor somewhere, just that that this sentence, that, that first half of this verse, the first half of verse 4, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, the first half, without completing the entire verse, I would do an entire sermon for nine hours that is running, running probably into three consecutive Sundays in church. That is a myriad of sermons put together here, said so much right there. Because it says, in the process of us defining who the overcomers are, we have found ourselves now, now we find ourselves in First John chapter 5. Again, First John chapter 5, verses 4 to verse 5. And it says very, with, with absolute clarity, that for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Let me read a bit of uh, King James. He says, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And you can just stop right there and have a big sermon. Then you can ask the question. You can ask, what does it entail to overcome the world? And what is the definition of the world? Could it be true that the world is the flesh in you? Could it be true that the world is the sinful desires of the flesh you uphold, you behold? And then... What does it mean to be born of God, to be born again, in other words? And then it would really gravitate you until you touch on the conversation that Nicodemus had with Christ. He said, what does it mean to be born again? He says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he's saying that overcomers are the ones that will see the kingdom of God. So, in other words, by inference and extension, Unless a man be born again and be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot overcome the world. That can be a serious conversation, and then you can even extrapolate it to be able to ask serious questions, serious philosophical questions into the living, the present living. You say, is it really that was? Is it worth it? Because he's saying, overcoming the world. For everyone born again, must, they must overcome the world. So what, is, what does it mean to overcome the world then? You would have to open up the characteristics, the features, and the identities of those that have overcome the world. The very theme of our conversation on this night. And so he says, for everyone born of God, again he says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Meaning, the Lord is calling upon the church. It was his initial intention at creation to call upon the church, to call upon humanity, to call upon whosoever receiveth the Lord Jesus, 
whosoever receiveth the grace to overcome. And now we are seeing what they are being called upon to overcome, to overcome this dirty, wicked, dark world. The world that is littered with moral decay, everything is about immorality, everything is about sexual sin. You turn left, they flash it at you. You turn right, there you have it. You look forward, they have hit it with you, hit you with it. You look back, it's following you. This world, it says, for everyone that is born of God overcometh the world. Meaning, if you were a pastor in this place, in this provision, you would have now discussed what does it mean to overcome? What is the meaning of overcoming? Who are those that overcome? What are the characteristics of their lives? What is the lifestyle they execute while on, while on the earth? What is their demeanor? How do they live their lives? How is their worship? Who are they? And what is the world? What are you being called upon to overcome? What are the drageries of living within the milieu, the complex of this world, while your intent is to overcome? How do you navigate yourself? How do you tell the Christians in church to navigate themselves? Why is still pending? Because they will say, oh, but man of God, you have to understand, we have to live in this world, we have to earn a living. But how do they then navigate themselves within the immoral systems of this world, the systems of hedonism, all the configurations and uh, the access of evil, because you have the confederacies of wickedness that are working in high places on the earth right now. There are different alliances in different places, and they're intertwined with one purpose, to bring down the mission of Christ on the earth. How then does a Christian, does a pastor help his church navigate within this system of his heathenism? And so he's saying, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. So the, the first intent of Christian salvation is a clarion call by God the Father for all humanity to overcome the world. The king of this world is Satan. In other words, to overcome sin. This is the victory that, again he says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So now he centers it on faith. He says that by faith now it's possible to emerge victorious, owing to the grace that the Lord has poured out. If I were to advance this conversation even further as I build up on the introductory uh, aspects of our talk today, I would right away go to John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He promises tribulation in court. He promises trouble, problems. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So very quickly we are beginning to understand what we are being, the church is being called upon to overcome. Because this is the second time he's now reciting the world. Overcoming who? The world. The world. He's now focusing our attention 
on the big elephant in the room is saying the world is the one to be surmounted, to be overcome, so that you become an overcomer. And in the same first John, chapter 4, verse 4, as I build up on this aspect of overcoming, the introductory aspect, and then I'll be able now to bring you to the inner workings of the overcomers, how God relates to them, the promises in heaven, and the secrets of eternity now revealed. John chapter 4, verse 4, also comes out very key at this point in time. First John chapter 4, verse 4, beloved people. And he says the following. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He draws, he draws in the world again. And he talks about the overcomers overcoming the world. And he that is the king of this world, now alluded to Satan. So this is absolutely very powerful, beloved people, as this conversation advances. But now we're beginning to see a little bit clearer on what the church is being called upon to overcome. If she is to be able to achieve the identity of the overcomer, then she is deliberately and publicly being called upon to overcome the one and only one thing, one impediment, the world. And the world is the moral decay of this world. The world is the sinful world around you, is sin. Sin, evil, and wickedness that you may now be holy. And he goes on to say, in the book of First uh, John, the same First John chapter 2, but we're reading verse 13. First John chapter 2, verse 13, it says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning, as the Messiah, Christ Jesus, the Lord, my Lord. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one, I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, Father, as I'm even going further, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is very powerful. This is called the paradigm setter. Because now you begin to understand that there is a clear calling. The Lord calls upon all humanity, and especially those ascribing and subscribing to the Christian salvation, and is saying that they have been called upon young and old, men and women, to overcome the evil one, to overcome the worst. Now it's a little bit more clearer now what the Lord is calling people to overcome. He's calling upon, calling upon the church to overcome. And so, I want to advance it slowly in the build-up of this conversation. But, I mean, forward to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 20. He says, there are four brothers, Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 20. There are four brothers, since you have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us 
the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God then with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilt conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unwavering and wavering to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and so forth. And all that, you know, with love. So, so th- this is very important, beloved people. He is now talking about the blood and he's talking about the fact that the overcomers have overcome based on the merit of the blood, the power of the blood. And he says, it gives them access into the holy of holies. And he talks about a curtain that has ruptured. Then can I look at Exodus 19 to get a clearer picture, a complete picture of what I'm talking about? Verse 12. Exodus 19, verse 12. Why he celebrates the fact that now you can get into the holy of holies? Exodus 19, verse 12, beloved people. I can read Exodus 2 verses over there. Exodus 19. Once we get to verse 12, he says, and then I'll get to verse 20, 21. That you may understand the truth and the gravitas he is bearing on the church on the fact that you can access, that you are able to now access the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. Exodus 19, 12, he says the following. He says, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whosoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. And then when he jumps to 20 and 21, he says, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, as many of them perish. This is very powerful. Now we are beginning to understand. Because if you grasp, if you score configure, this is what I've just read, together with Isaiah 59, 1-2, then you see that the loaded flesh, this body, this temple that, that the creature wears on this day is loaded with the sinful desires of the flesh, of the world, and so as a result, they were not able to access the most holy place. And that's why he celebrates it when he says in Hebrews 10, 19, 20, that now look, you need to celebrate this. You need to enjoy this fact that now, owing to the blood of the Lamb, you are now able to access the most holy place. He laid gravity. Why? Because previously, I've read Exodus 19, 12, 9, and 19, 20, and 21. Previously, you could not. And in Hebrews 10, 19 to 20, it talks about the rapturing of the curtain, and the Messiah enters there. And yet in Matthew 27, verse 51, Matthew 27, 51, he lays greater emphasis to actually the actual event. Matthew 27, beloved, please, if you turn with me there. 
Matthew 27, verse 51, one verse alone, to build up the momentum on this conversation, that we may all be in the north. Matthew 27, verse 51, this is what he says. He says, at that moment, and then you can read on, you can begin from when he cried twice. You can begin from 48 if you so wish. He says, immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. Again, verse 47, you can start there. When some of those standing there heard this, you can start from 45 if you wish. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness befell the whole earth. Darkness came over all the earth. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out. Remember, this is the same hour at which the perfect lamb was offered in Egypt. The hour of the evening sacrifice. So make sure you understand some of these connections with other people. The completing of the law that he came to do. From the sixth to the ninth hour, darkness came over the whole earth. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Lama, in Hebrew, Lama is why. Lama sabach ani, ani is me. Lama sabach ani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So very close to this, it's very, very understandable. He cried out, why have you today shut heaven over me? Because from the eternity of eternities, the two have never separated, God the Father and God the Son. You can see what sin, the consequence of sin, what sin really did. Sin did a monument. It's unbelievable. Verse 47, he says, When some of those standing there, 30, they say, He is calling Elijah. He is calling Elijah the prophet. Verse 48, he says, Immediately one of them ran and got a point, and they filled it with wine vinegar, and put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Then the rest say, Now leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah comes to save him. So this is tremendous. Verse 50, when Jesus had cried out again, cried out a second time, which is again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And then verse 51, which was really our focus today, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open and the bodies of the many holy people who had died were raised to life. So that is the cascade. That is the enormous cascade, the mechanism he's talking about here. He's saying the curtain ruptures and now handing the church this wonderful opportunity to become overcomers, to go ahead and overcome the world, because now they can enter the Holy of Holies on the merit of the blood of the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb, whose name is Christ Jesus. And when they overcome, out of that accessing now the salvation of the grace of the blood of cross, that accessing now allows them to be able to enjoy on the day that is ahead of us in Revelation chapter 19, 69. Now then they can enjoy the events of Revelation chapter 19, 69. 
And he says the following about Revelation 1969, which I read in verse 6. He says, When I heard your father in the multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peace of thunder shouting. Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen bright and was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then I heard, then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited into the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. So he really now brings to bear the climax. It's the climax now, that act of overcoming. That style of overcoming, now he brings it to a climax, and he says, look, this is now their ultimate achievement, because now they're going to overcome and enter. They're going to enter eternity. So, having set up that preamble of people, I then now want to share some inner workings after which I will now go to the overcomers proper, and then I'll give you the topic of today's conversation. And like I said, we've not even gotten the topic of today. So what have I said in all these that I've said in the short, in an nutshell, in this introduction, what I've said essentially is that the Lord is saying that the overcomers that he celebrates, they overcome by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by that blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are then the redeemed. They are totally redeemed and the ransom paid out of Satan's control. The ransom is fully paid now. He said, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb, as we've seen. I'm summarizing the scriptures of sin. And he says, they are redeemed and the ransom is paid out of Satan's jail, Satan's control. And number two, he says, in summary, I've just tried to synthesize for you the scriptures we've heard, that Satan was originally much stronger than the people. Uh, mankind following the fall in the garden that by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ now the blood of the Lamb has broken the overcomers loose and dismantled the chains of Satan so that they are now free because they have overcome Satan now you see the second point is sent us what they are overcoming control number one, but now he talks about the world which is the flesh, which is Satan. Because the flesh is the vehicle that Satan uses. Number three, he says by the same blood of Jesus Christ, they are now justified because of overcoming. They are justified from sin and condemnation and sanctified. Number four, they are cleansed from all the pollution of this evil world. That is very key, because that is what asks a serious question, draws a serious challenge to the church, the present-day church. So in your salvation of the grace, have you really overcome the world? And he goes on to say, 
I'm celebrating this with you by synthesizing for you some of the tenets, the major nuggets we've seen out of the scriptures we've read. So time we begin the conversation of the day. He says, number five, their garments have now been washed, washed white, and cleansed pure as the glory of the Lord. Number six, as a result of all of the above, they are now drawn closer and nearer the Lord their God. Number seven, the inward conscience has now been cleared and cleansed. So I think that is a very important point, beloved people, at which, again, I bring you to a second session. At that point now, I can bring you to the second session of this conversation, the introductory part, before I give you the topic of this day. So then, now we know in a little bit of a glimpse how the overcomers execute themselves in this life and what they look like and who they are. They have literally overcome. And they are being empowered by the Holy Spirit, having been washed by the blood, having been facilitated by the blood of Jesus to break loose from Satan, the king of this world. So can we then go to the Bible and stepwise begin now to look at some of the hidden secrets of the eternal life that is promised to the overcomers? And after we look at that, then I'll be able now to give you the topic of this day. Because I want to look at those scriptures, and then I'll summarize it for you like I've done again with the first half of this introduction. That after reading all the scriptures, then I'll be able to summarize for you. So I'm going to read the following scriptures again, where the Lord celebrates the overcomers, and he talks about them. And in the process of talking about them, he now is able to unveil a little glimpse of the secrets of eternal life. What will really accrue? What will really happen when people are in heaven? How they will live there? The things and the, and, and the procedures and the events that will take place in, the, in eternity, in God's heaven. So now, the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7, beloved people. Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7, that's where now we are celebrating the overcomers. And I want you to catch the following scriptures so that we are able now to use each one of them to elucidate, to unveil what happens in eternal life, what happens in heaven, when you will have entered there, when the overcomers will have entered there. And my overriding assumption here is that all of you, the listeners, you are the ones who are celebrating here who are going to be overcomers. After tonight's conversation, you will be a little bit more embraced with all that it requires, all that it takes to be the overcomer. Now, the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says the following. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Paradise, paradiso. So, he celebrates the overcomer there, and that Christian that he calls the overcomer, he promises him or her of any something. And when I say him, I mean both. So let me not be running, you're oscillating between him and her. But he promises him 
He promises that Christian some wonderful things. He says, wherever I overcome, you give the right to eat from the tree of life. And you remember just yesterday, I think yesterday or the day before yesterday, when the Lord took me to the throne room and then used my right hand. He touched my right hand with his hand, physical touch, and he stretched the hand and touched one of the branches and shook the tree of life and such tremendous fruits of corn. An entire crop fell, fell down and I harvested them and then he says you can take them now for the healing of the nation. And so there was a complete conversation that also we spoke on the reverse of what is coming. And today the Lord escalated it by showing the glory that is coming. So this is such an astounding moment to be a Christian, the most exciting time to be born again in this dark world. That you may have a little hope beyond the tomb. That you may have hope beyond the graves. Beyond the graveyards, beloved people. So he's saying here that in his first set of overcomers, the scripture that the Spirit of the Lord, God the Father uses to celebrate the overcomer, the first thing he does is that he promises them that when they overcome, they will have access to the tree of life. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. He said, which is in paradise. So he promises them paradiso, paradise. Who wouldn't want to be an overcomer then? The same Revelation chapter 2 verse 11 when he shifts on a little further, verse 11 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he says, He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. That is very powerful. And in the last narrative I gave to you, we already defined what the second death is. And I said the second death is now a more painful death because it involves you that, I mean, the people that now fail to enter heaven and they are all bundled up and thrown into the lake of fire to burn for eternity of eternity to the eternity of the eternity forever. And so, he's again addressing the overcomers here. And as he addresses them in this second notch, then he says, they will not be hurt by the second death. And all this I'm reading in a build-up to be able to define who are the overcomers. That is my mission tonight. And I'll give you the top of this conversation eventually. Again, the second, the third, the third promise, the third engagement the Lord has, what the Father has with the overcomers is the same Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, this time around. He says, Revelation chapter 2, 17, he says, he was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says, to him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna. So you see, he promises hidden manna. and says, I'll also give him a white stone and a new name written on him, written on each other, known only to him who receives it. So that was well celebrated last week. Because that was our reference last week. And we really went into the depth of it. And by the time we were done, you could see that the church was beginning to understand on the importance and the gravity of focusing on the heavenly artifacts. Those treasures that have been promised in heaven. You don't want to miss. You don't want to not be there when God will be now.
traditional, the, those tokens, the token of appreciation, the token of favor, the token of faithfulness, all that event, that tremendous event, you don't want to miss it. Again, in his third engagement and conversation to the overcomer, he promises those things. He promises hidden manna, the white stone, and he talks to them about a new name. And then in the fourth conversation with the overcomers, as we build up and put it together eventually, who are these then? Revelation chapter 2, the same chapter, verses 26 to 28. And it says, To him who overcomes and does my will, so you can almost tell who they are. They do the will of God right here. To him who overcomes and does my will, to the end, meaning it's talked about their steadfastness. You can pull out a lot of characteristic out of there. A lot of their features from this verse, chapter 2, verse 26. To him who overcomes and does the will of God to the end, meaning their steadfastness. And wavering, we're going to discuss that in a short while. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I'll give authority over the nations. So you see, he promises them now a nation. And he says, he will rule them with an iron scepter, and he will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He was an ear, let him hear. So, so this is very powerful, and he promises to them that overcome. And another engagement with the overcomers is in Revelation chapter 3, but this time around verse 5. And he says, in verse 5, He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. Now he promises white dressing. And I will never blot out his name from the book of life. So he promises this eternal residence of their name in the ledger, the book of life, the ledger for eternity with God, the citizenry of heaven. Again, five and six. He overcomes, will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge him before my father and his angels. That is a tremendous promise. But you will make a special introduction of them before the father and the entire entourage of the heavenly angels, the heavenly hosts. This is very powerful. And then the other next engagement with the overcomers, and I'm building all this together. I'm going to summarize it for you together. Is in Revelation chapter 3, the same chapter, verse 12. And over there he says the following, To him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he miss it. I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I'll also write on him my new name. That is very powerful promise to be overcome of beloved people. And the last engagement to be overcome is 21, where 
the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That is very powerful. And so this is the place at which, beloved people, I want to take a summary now to summarize for you this matter of overcoming. The scriptures we've read in the way the Lord engages with overcomers. I want now to go through a little summary again, like I did the first segment of the introduction. Number one, we see that he promises certain things. And in those promises, we are now able to see some hidden secrets of eternal life in heaven. We are beginning now to open our eyes and look into the kingdom of glory in heaven. Heaven that the Lord has taken me to severally, many times, and forever, always doing the same, taking me into his heaven. And you all know that that is for the purpose of taking the instruction, because you know that these two that speak with you take direct instruction from God the Father himself. But that heaven, inside there, there's certain secret of eternal life that the church will have to encounter when the church gets there. And this is the little unveiling of a glimpse of what will go on there. For those that will make it, and if I pray that all that are tuned in will make it into the eternal kingdom of all, the kingdom of God, into God's heaven. So you need to read the good books of God for us to see eternity with God. And it says here the following. Number one, he promises, so he promises the following to the overcomer. I want to summarize it for you, what we've read. Number one, he promises that they will eat from the tree of life. That's Revelation 2-7, we've seen that. He also promises, number two, that they will not be hurt by the second death. He must really love these people so much. And I'm sure the question that's ringing in your heart and mind and soul that now is that, am I one of the overcomers? And at the end of this sermon, if I would be able to understand the nitty-gritty, the details, the fine tunings of the overcomer, then I'll make sure that I adjust my life and everything around me adjust itself to this required identity of becoming an overcomer. Because he seems to love them so much, too much. Again, number one, he promises them to eat from the tree of life. Number two, that they will not be hurt by the second death. Number three, that they will eat, he will give them some hidden manna. Number four, he promised them, promises them a white stone. Number five, and a new name, he promises them, written on that stone. Number six, he promises them power and authority over nations. Number seven, he promises them the morning star. That is very powerful. Number eight, he promises to clothe them in white garments, pure white glorious garments. Number nine, he promises them that their names will remain in the book of life forever and ever. That is a guarantee. That is very powerful. 
the book of the list of citizens of heaven, that your name will be resident there forever. Number 10, he promises that he will confess, will confess their name before God the Father, his Father, and his heavenly angels, heavenly hosts. God the Father and his angels. He will stand up and confess them, say, I know these people, and introduce them to the Father himself and to the angels of heaven, all the angels. Number 11, he promises to make pillars both temple out of them. That they will be made a pillar into a pillar in God's temple. Number 12, he promises to give them the name of God. Number 13, he promises to give them the new name of Jesus that is virtually unknown. That is totally unknown to this life. And I just want to let you know, to share with you the following, that when you get to heaven, there are certain things that will really surprise you, that are not shared, that he has not allowed me to share. When you get to heaven, there are certain things that will really shock you. And you see a little glimpse of it here, that Christ Jesus has other name, but totally concealed and very hidden. And we are going to share, I hope I get time to touch on that. So these are the wonderful promises that he gives to those that are called the overcomers, the Christians that behold the name and the identity of overcomers, overcomers. And when you look at the myriad and the cascade and the entire spectrum of these promises that God the Father has promised the overcomers, then you begin to understand that every single Christian believer would love to be whole of these promises here. He says that these are the promises that when you look at now very slowly, stepwise, eating the tree, fruit from the tree of life, Second death, not hurting them. Give an hidden manner, white stone, new name, power over nations, the morning star, clothed in white, with name in the book of life, stand up and confess them before God the Father and his angels, pillar in the temple of God, the name of God on them, the new name of Christ. The hidden secrets of eternal life are now beginning to exude out. He's laying them out before the nation, that these are the secrets of some of the things that will happen in heaven. And in so doing, is beginning to reorientate the eyes of the church that they may now see the treasures in waiting, the treasures and the tokens and the gifts that the Lord has awaited the overcomers with in the kingdom of God, that now may reprioritize and begin also to long for these gifts, for these tokens, and these blessings that will behold during eternity in heaven. But now, this may bring to fatality the so-called treasures of this world. That this may rubbish and bring to condescendence and contempt anything called treasure on the earth, that the church may learn to be unifocused, singular-focused, Onto the attainment of these blessed rewards in the kingdom.
everlasting rewards with God, you will fellowship with Him forever and ever. How awesome, how beautiful, how, how tremendous, beloved Peter. And so now, having said what I've said, I want to come back to the second session. We will take a short break. I will introduce this second session and we'll take a short break. But in the second session, I will now give you the topic of this conversation today because I will check on of these tremendous gifts that the Lord has already laid to bear in the church, I mean in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. One of these tokens that is promised the church, and I'll pick on them, and once I pick it out, then I'll use it to open up more on the secrets of what will happen in heaven, and hence, your heart, that your heart, too, may be drawn towards charity with God in heaven, but as many as possible, if possible, the entire earth may reject Satan with his whimsical notions here, with his sinful schemes, sin and decay and immorality, lies and perversion, the origins of this world, that if possible, the entire earth out of this summon may enter into eternity and receive these tokens here, these rewards promised here, in the kingdom of God, that we may bring Satan to shame. Satan may be brought to shame that he may go to hell alone. So we'll take a short worship break with some of the worship songs that are a beautiful place in this extended edition of the Sunset Worship. And after that, I'll come back with a new topic that will really open up things and set the stage for this major conversation tonight. Shalom to Darabah. Thank you. 